0: Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you, and we love you. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Come on, church, give Jesus a shout of praise as you sit down. Man, we got things to do, but my God, is he not good. Sorry, I grew up Pentecostal, so I, I expected way more from you when I said that. have you to know, Forgive me. Let's try one more time, see if you can fake Pentecostal. My God, is he not good. There it is. Fake Pentecostal people, I promise it would be good for you. Well, it's good to have you with us. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Doug. I serve as one of our pastors here. And welcome to Renovation Church. We're a good time. I'll tell you that, like all the time we're like this. It's it's a really fun time. Uh, Today is kind of special. You'll see they're putting some couches up here for us right now. Uh, For those of you who don't know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. All right, so some of you did know. That's great. For those of you who didn't, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, And we did this last year, and it was such a powerful moment for our community that we decided to do it again this year, and maybe we do it again next year. I I don't know. Uh, We'll see how that goes and what the Spirit says. But we're taking two Sundays out of May to really kind of dive into what mental health looks like for the body of Christ, like because it's been somewhat of a taboo subject. I'm not going to you know, Dr. Sims is going to say more about that here in a second, but we as a church wanted to go into it. And and I felt compelled to even tell this story just so you know the significance of this. Like as one of your pastors, I have like mental health things going on. Like I have ADHD and a little bit bipolar, right? And so this is a thing that affects us directly as a community. So as one of the pastors here, it's okay to be honest with that. I know it's a little messy, right? I get it's a little messy, That's okay. Places of healing are actually kind of messy. It's a really good example, right? Places of healing, ER, right? An ER is very messy, a little chaotic. A place that's not of healing, but a place of death is a cemetery. It's real quiet there. It's real clean. It's real organized, but there's no healing going on places of healing are a little messy and that's okay, right? And so I want you to know it's totally fine to be fully honest and open about where you're at, You to receive some of the wisdom that we're going to get from Dr. Sims this morning. Uh, so if you would, would you welcome our student ministry director, Kiyosha Myers and Dr. Sims to the stage. As As they get up here, I kind of want to set our time up a little bit to kind of, because we're a church, we love the Bible. The Bible speaks to things in our lives, right? So I want to set our time up a little bit. And I want to read you a scripture out of John chapter 14, okay? These are the words of Jesus. So get ready. It's Jesus, it should matter. I am leaving with you a gift. Oh, good. I like Jesus' gifts, those are awesome. Peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. This is what our hope is for these next two weeks. God has given you the gift of peace in your heart and your mind. Oftentimes, mental health issues rob us of that peace. Like there's a gift that God has given you. Like my, the image that comes to mind is like this great treasure that God has given us. But the pains of this life, the hurts, how our brains are wired, the chemical, all these different things get in the way of us experiencing the peace that God has given us. And so our hope in addressing this and our hope in continuing to get you to address mental health and mental fitness is that you can find, get through all those things so you can get to the peace that God has given you. And experience that in your heart and your mind. Are you with me? Once again, would you welcome Dr. Sims and Ms. Keisha Myers.
0: Good morning, afternoon. How y'all doing? Well, first, tell me about yourself your professional background, and why you chose to become a therapist?
2: Yes, that's such a great question. So I am Dr. Marquetta Sims. I am a licensed psychologist. Um, basically, that just means that I have my PhD in the field of psychology, and I am licensed to provide therapy at a doctorate level. Um, in terms of what got me here, what is so amazing to me is that I really did feel called to this field. Um, I was supposed to be an Oscar-winning actress, and <laughs> but, you know, God said, no, (laughs) ma'am, let's redirect a little bit. And I stumbled into a psychology class for majors and fell in love, and I just stayed with it all the way through my doctorate degree. And at the time, I wanted to be um, accessible to people who looked like me because we just black folks don't go to therapy. Like that was the message when I started out in the field. Um, And so it's been really important for me to be that face for people who wanted to seek that treatment. And then as I got into the field, I realized that we also um, sorely are missing the piece of faith in the field as well. So as I've gone through this process, it's been really important to me to also show up as a woman of faith in this field and be able to integrate and incorporate those
0: things. Clap for that. First question, why is there such a dilemma in the church when it comes to mental health? Why can't I just pray about it? Go to church and join a small group. Why do I need therapy and medication? Yes. So... Great question.
2: First and foremost, historically there has been a silence around mental health in the world, in our culture, as well as in the church. When we think about our leaders, they're not necessarily trained around recognizing the symptoms for mental illness. They're not, they they don't go to school to get degrees on psychology and mental health. And so when it comes to being able to recognize that as a congregation, it's very difficult for them to be able to do that role. That's a it's a role that they weren't trained to do. And so it's often a silence that's experienced experience within the congregation of the church, especially because leaders also are being shamed around the same things that the congregation is. So they're not able, the way that Pastor Doug just got up here and shared about what his experience has been, I imagine that if you grew up in the church, you probably haven't seen that ever. If very frequently if you have. And so the the perception gets put out that you are also supposed to be perfect, that you should be modeling after the leaders. And that means that if you're praying and you're going to church and you're in a small group, you shouldn't have to deal with these issues. You shouldn't have any problems. And it dismisses the experiences of people. There are also misconceptions in the church that if you are experiencing mental illness, then it's a sin that for you to be experiencing it. It is the result of a sin, and that's why you're experiencing it. You're being punished for a sin, and that's why you're experiencing mental illness. And all of those things are inaccurate and wrong. And people just don't know how to actually address it, and they don't actually know the understanding of it. They dismiss the physiological pieces of it. So when we think about anxiety and depression, we often think that it's just a mental issue. interesting mental illness. But we think that it's just kind of a pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you should just be able to work through it and think differently. And it's often not that simple. There's often under, there's often roots underneath that that are not just solved by thinking differently. There's often something else that needs to be done but when we make it seem like it's not like any other disease or any other illness, when we make it seem like it's just something in your head, we all of a sudden undermine people's ability to get the help that they need and so people aren't going to talk about that in the church. They're not going to talk about it in a space where they feel like they can't talk about it because they don't. The people who are in the space are judging them or shame them or don't understand that's good. why can't we just go to therapy go to, or why can't we just go to church join a small group and pray about it you can like please please do those things <laughs> like let's start there that is the that's bare minimum baseline of starting but when you recognize that something else is going on when you feel like you need a little bit more it's time for you to seek out a little bit more a lot of times we expect God to just give us the answer like we pray and we're just like God You're supposed to drop this in my lap right now. The reality is that sometimes God calls us to a process. They walked around the walls of Jericho seven times. They shouted and they prayed at the end. That is a process. If they had stopped at three, they would have lost, right? They wouldn't have got the outcome that they were looking for. So when God calls you to a process, you go through a process. And if you're doing the bare minimum and you're still struggling, that might mean that there's a process
0: that God is calling you to. Amen. That's good. You can clap for that. (laughs) Uh, 2013 I went to counseling um, under the advisement of some women that were in my small group and it was really freeing I went to a Christian therapist and it helped me unlock so many things that I kept buried for years and um, at the end of my counseling sessions um, I met my my now husband and so it it (laughs) helped it was like bam bam and so really helped really helped me Um, (laughs) Yes, Lord. (laughs) uh, next question what are some parallels in the Bible I'm sorry what are some parallels in the mental health field and the Bible
2: yes absolutely such a great question Um, and I just want to acknowledge that the reality is mental illness is not a term listed in the Bible I've never seen it listed in any way shape or form in the Bible however when we look at the significant people in the Bible Noah had problems with alcohol Solomon was depressed I stand by it <laughs> like, I stand by it, and the woman with the issue of blood for twelve years, like I can imagine bleeding for twelve years, there would be something depression anxiety, something going on, and so there are instances where people are dealing with mental health challenges in the Bible. Um, and so I love to kind of think about the different ways that it shows up, even though it's not the ways we extrapolate from the Bible, even though it's not necessarily clear-cut in there. And one of, those, um, one of the interventions that we frequently use in the field is cognitive behavioral therapy. To give a very watered-down, simple version of it, it's changing your thoughts, changing your behaviors to get different outcomes. And so I think about the Bible scriptures that talk, like in Romans, it talks about be transformed by renewing your mind, right? In Corinthians, it says, take captive your thoughts and make make them obedient to Christ. In Philippians, it talks about focusing on what is noble and true and pure and honest. Like those are the way, like that is one way that I see thinking about how we take captive our thoughts. That is cognitive behavioral therapy, essentially. When we talk about anxiety, there are scriptural references, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And I want to be very clear that that's not saying what we just said earlier. It's not just saying just pray about it. Like, yes, prayer is your first option. It's not your last resort. Start there. However, also, there may be something else that needs to be done, That giving that thanksgiving. So gratitude is another huge thing in the Bible. How many scriptures do we have where it's, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Rejoice always. Be in thanksgiving constantly. Count it all joy. All of these scriptures about thanksgiving, gratitude I tell all my clients to practice gratitude, gratitude jars, gratitude journals, gratitude bowls, whatever you need to do. But it's the same concept. We're giving thanks, but as Christians, we give thanks to God with our gratitude. Another big thing for me in the Bible is boundaries. Jesus has some amazing boundaries. He took three days to get to Lazarus after he died, even though they were like, hurry up, get here, come on. Jesus was like, no. I'm coming, I'll be there in three days. Um, he's sleeping in the boat while the storm is happening. Jesus is like, I'm taking a nap, I need my rest, we're good. Um, he goes and has his quiet time. He is always stealing away for his moments in the morning, designated time. And so he is showing us, Jesus modeled for us what it means to set boundaries and what it means to take care of ourselves. And if Jesus is doing it, we should have no problem with setting boundaries for ourselves. So those are some of the parallels that I see. That's
0: good. Can you give us a practical way of how we can set boundaries?
2: Ooh, I love boundaries. And so uh, (laughs) I love them a lot. (laughs) I really do. So I think a couple of things, seriously, my husband knows I love boundaries. So a couple of, um, I think a little bit of an attitude shift around boundaries is really important to start with. Number one, boundaries are about you controlling yourself boundaries are not for other people and i know that that might sound a little counterintuitive but the thing about it is you can't control anybody else you literally cannot control anyone but yourself and so when you set a boundary you set a boundary for yourself so that other people can respond and then they have consequences as a result of those boundaries so for example one of my favorite boundaries is that my phone is always on do not disturb maybe not always but like 20 hours out of the day. My phone is on Do Not Disturb. And people might text me at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. They might call. I wouldn't know because my phone is on Do Not Disturb. But I don't tell people, don't call or text me or reach out to me. You can do whatever you want to do, but just know that I will not respond until it is an appropriate time for me to respond. Another thing is kind of like when you are trying to have your quiet time in the morning, right, and you may, you may have children, you may have people who really need something from you, but being able to say, I have designated this time for myself, I'm going to need you to sit here, and look on your tablet, read a book until I am done, and I will get to you when I'm finished. Those are just simple ways to say, this is for me, this is my designated space, this is my designated time, here is the consequence, if you interrupt me during this time, I'm going to tell you, go sit back over there and read your book, I cannot do this right now, and then you go back to doing what you're doing. But there has to be a consequence. That's the important part about boundaries. We often set them. We often reiterate them. But we don't enforce the boundary. We don't enforce the consequence. The consequence is the probably most important part of the boundary. If you don't have a consequence behind it, people will continue to push your boundaries.
0: That's good. Amen. Amen. What does self-care look like as a believer? Yes, love this question so much. So
2: this is another mindset shift that I think is important. We hear about self-care all the time. Self-care in our culture is very self-centered. Obviously, it starts with the term self. But it is extremely self-centered. It is about my independence. It is about my me time. It is about focusing on myself. However, as Christians, we are called to serve. Our self-care is in service to other people. We take care of ourselves so that we can show up for other people. We love our neighbors as ourselves. We cannot love our neighbors if we don't love ourselves first. And I know a lot of twos in here will argue me down. Probably a lot of nines will also be like, "Mm mm-mm, yes, I surely can. No, you cannot. Because eventually, eventually what it does is it starts to corrode the generosity. It starts to corrode the the service that you have towards other people and it leads to resentment. And you cannot love other people if you're actually resenting them for not reciprocating and for not doing back in return. And so it's really important that when we think about self-care, we really focus on how am I being of service to myself in service of other people. When I am resting and I am sleeping well, it is because I want to get up and I want to show up at 820 in the morning on a Sunday to be able to serve a whole day, right? It's not because I just want to sleep. That is important, but you also are wanting to show up and do of service to other people. So first, shift that mentality so that you can have the motivation to continue engaging in self-care. But it looks like our practical disciplines. It looks like our quiet time. It looks like getting into the Bible daily. It looks like speaking life over other people. It looks like making sure that the fruits are actually being shown in your life. If you don't have the fruits of the Spirit in your life, you're probably not taking care. Of yourself. God gave us our bodies as a temple. Our bodies are the vessels in which we are supposed to be carrying out the mission of God. If your body is not equipped to carry out the mission, you can't do the work that God has called you to do. You cannot be on a platform if you're unhealthy and you're tired and you're sick all the time. You cannot be ministering to people if you're not well. And so your self-care is an investment in yourself to ensure that you can go out and do the work that God has called you to do and whatever that looks like
0: good and I think practically uh self-care is getting your nails done getting your yep. nails done hair hair done yep going to get a massage doing something for you that makes you feel like Absolutely. man I'm good Absolutely. I'm rested Absolutely. amen Absolutely. amen yeah, um <laughs> how, look good to feel good what you say? y'all look good to feel good oh amen amen <laughs> how can improving my mental health improve my spiritual journey I think that they are just
2: so interrelated and so connected. Um, our, our word for the year is freedom. Amen. And in supporting your mental health journey and taking care of your mental health challenges, you experience a level of freedom. Pastor Doug talked about it earlier. There's freedom and there is peace in healing. And as you heal, you are in one way, a very tangible way that I, I work with a lot of clients around is really healing their relationship with their earthly father or earthly parents. It doesn't necessarily have to be fathers, but so that they can have a good relationship with their spiritual father. Because if you have dysfunctional relationships in your family with your earthly parents, how in the world do you actually get to trust a guy that you can't see a guy that you you don't have this tangible experience with that you can feel, if you didn't get a model of that in your relationships on earth, it's very difficult to have that spiritual connection. So that's a huge way. But then there's also just this piece of wanting to feel like a whole human being. If you are going to be whole, you cannot be well spiritually and not be well physically and not be well mentally. There is, a, there is a wholeness and a completeness that comes that allows you to really experience your spiritual well-being in a different capacity. If you're anxious all the time, it is difficult for you to have faith. Because faith is about trusting in uncertainty. But if you're constantly anxious about everything that's happening, your faith is likely wavering. And it's not just like, yes, pray. Keep praying for God to give you more faith. Absolutely. But also, if you've been praying constantly and you're still struggling with the same things, it's possible that there may be something else that you need to do.
0: Amen. Uh, that reminds me of Isaiah 26 and 3. You yes. will keep him in perfect, perfect peace, peace whose mind is stayed, is stayed on you. On you.
2: So if my church, mind has
0: stayed on him and this anxiety is here, there, there's, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect, absolutely. Yeah. Amen. All right. How do I find someone that will support my spiritual beliefs as I work through my mental health challenges? So there
2: are, um, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about some designations here. There are Christian counselors. There are people who have gone and gotten a very specific kind of training around, like they've gone to some kind of seminary classes. They've taken classes where they actually studied the Bible. They will pray with you in session. There's just a very specific category around Christian counseling. And so if that's something you're looking for, you can always look for a Christian counselor. Google is your best friend. Like the ways that Google has just monopolized the search community is Crazy. But if you type in Christian counseling near me, you will get lots of people to pop up to help you. There are directories that you can go to. Psychology Today will allow you to search different, just specific directories that you can find to find those people. But there are also people like me who I've not done any special training in terms of Christian counseling. I just am a believer that is in the field. And so I often, you can find things like faith-based therapy. Um, That is something that people who have not gotten that designation of a Christian counselor but still want to incorporate spirituality into the practice, those are the people that you look for. And at the same time, I want to be very clear that Every therapist that you go and see, regardless of what their background is, should be supporting you in your faith walk as well. That is a part of who you are and their job and their role in your life is to integrate all of who you are. So if you go to someone where you don't feel, I actually, I had a therapist, a psychologist at one time who was not a believer. But she helped me heal that whole thing all up. And she was very respectful of when I talked about my Jesus and when I talked about my God in session. And you deserve that in any therapy appointment that you go to. So if you're looking for someone who is specializing maybe in bipolar disorder or in some kind of trauma, but you're unsure about whether or not they have a Christian background, they should still be respectful of you. And if not,
0: that means that that's not the
2: therapist for you. And
0: how will we know if that's not the therapist for us? What are some signs that we need to fire them.
2: (laughs) Totally fine to fire your therapist. I actually fully support it when it's not working out. But um, So one, if you're not making any progress, I really encourage all of my clients, and it takes a, it takes a, a little bit of courage and a little bit of boldness to be able to do this. But talk to your therapist. If you're if you've been going to therapy, you might be paying them. If you're not paying them, you're paying your insurance company. Like you're paying somebody for these services. And so talk to them. Is say, you know I've been meeting with you for X amount of sessions now, one session it's not gonna fix everything, okay? So if you've met with someone for one session and it's not making progress, let's keep going a little bit longer. I say at least four to six, but you wanna to talk to them about, hey, this is why I came here. I haven't been seeing these results. Can we talk about what's going on? So that's the first thing. But if you notice that after several sessions, after a certain amount of time, after having those conversations, nothing is progressing and nothing is changing, that might be a cue. And specifically, if they ever disrespect you in any kind of way, if you bring up God or you bring up Jesus and they dismiss that or they just kind of like shove it off to the side, that might not be the person for you. Because even if they are not a believer, one, you could be ministering to them. So that's one of the reasons why I'm never like, don't go see someone who's not a Christian because you may be the person that brings them to Christ. But also um, make sure that they are helping you to become a whole. Person. They're helping you to integrate. So when you bring up Jesus, they might not know who he is, but they better talk to you about him. They better ask you questions about your beliefs so that they can understand how to bring that together for you. That's
0: good. Amen. Amen. Um, How can you support someone or close family member, friend, child, dealing with a mental health challenge? That is so good. So,
2: first and foremost, making sure that you're healthy. I think you have to, like, we, I'm gonna mess the scripture up, but don't take the speck out of someone else's eye when you have the log in your own eye. Making sure that you start with self first, I think, is really important, especially when we're talking about children. A lot of times, their reactions to what's happening is a reaction to what's happening in the home. Their reaction is something that's happening in school that they may be trying to bring to you in some kind of way and they need you to be a safe space for them to come to. And I would say that for anyone that you're trying to support. It might be a spouse, it might be um, a family member. You have to be a safe landing space for them to come to in order for them to be able to hear the support that you're offering. The second thing is to listen. We often want to jump in with fixing it, we often want to jump in with advice, we want to tell you exactly what to do, but sometimes people really just need you to listen and to hear their heart and hear what they're saying so that you can direct them in the way that they need to pray with them, right? Like that is, we underestimate the power of prayer. And we underestimate how that can shift someone into what we need them to do just from that that simple act. And so pray with them. Ask them, can I pray for you? And pray with them in the moment. We have a habit of saying, oh, I'm going to pray for you. And then we go home. Pray for them in the moment. Just stand there and pray for them. And it might push you out of your comfort zone, but just go ahead and pray for them. And then help them to find the resources. So you all are here today. You're hearing this. This is going to be on YouTube in perpetuity. And so go ahead and share the link. Just go drop the link with someone that you know might need to hear this. Or if they're telling you, like, hey, I'm having this struggle, just let, let them see that the church is actually trying to address this. Because that's going to normalize it for someone. You never know what's, how someone has been hurt in the past that they might need to hear a word like this just normalizing what's happening so that they can move forward and get the help that they need.
0: Right, right. And if it's normalized, we can break the stigma. Hello. We can talk about it. More. There it is. Uh, does having anxiety or depression mean that I don't have enough faith?
2: No. It does not mean that you don't have enough faith. There are... People who are the most faith-filled, prayer, down on their knees, hands up all the time, at church 10 days a week. And (laughs) always doing what they are supposed to do. They're practicing the disciplines, they're fasting, and still they're struggling. And I think that the the thing we have to remember is that this is not just a, a turning your brain off. Some people, yes, that is, that's it. Like I'm not saying there's a range, there's a spectrum of what mental illness looks like and what mental health challenges look like. But for a, lot, a large chunk of those people, it's not just a switch that goes off. It's that you need something more. So when you are practicing your faith, when you are walking out this faith walk, I think about it like this. If you had a physical illness, you're faith-filled, and you go to the doctor, and they say, hey, you have diabetes, you're not going to all of a sudden say, oh, well, I must not have enough faith. I must not be praying enough. That is why I got diabetes? No, that's not how that works for anything else that we experience. So our mental health is the same way. Let's just acknowledge it for what it is. It is something that happens because we exist in a fallen, broken world. Yeah. And because we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore, these are the experiences that we're left with and allow ourselves to get the help that we need so that we can feel better.
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, for me, sometimes I have bouts of anxiety and it creeps up very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. And before I would fall into a pit of despair and go on for days just like, oh, my God, what is going on? But then I had to remind myself, what is this here to teach me? What is this anxiety yeah. here to show yeah. me about me? Um, and then once I started to, to reason, and I'm like, wait, this is the enemy trying to intimidate mm-hmm. me yeah. for what God has called me to do. And I had to rise up and say, no, what, I'm not going to take that. Yeah. And I began to feed myself with the scriptures and get in that word because that's how you're going to get strong. And that's how, for me, that's how I beat anxiety. I got to fight it with the word. I love that. And I
2: would also, I would love to just add to that too. It's one of my favorite, um, I can't even say that I came up with this. I have a friend who actually came up with this, but she does scripture-based affirmations. So I do not like mantras. I will tell you right now, I am not the one to be like, I am amazing and I am wonderful and yay, you are. However, they're often like, However. they're just superficial. Like... <laughs> I'm listening. They have affirmations for kids now. I'm like, oh, that's really sweet. But no, like they're just superficial. So I prefer scripture based affirmation. Like one of my favorite ones, I'm a lender and not a bar. Or, I will never need to lender. I will never need to le- lend. I am at perfect peace because I trust in God. I seek the kingdom and all righteousness. And so all things will be given unto me. These are the ways like I trust in God and I acknowledge him in all my ways. And so my path is set straight. Those are the affirmations that I would encourage everybody to do. Take the word. When Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, when he came out and the devil tried him, he used the word of God, right? Use the word. And again, You can be doing all this and still be anxious, but you are, like we said earlier, you're taking those thoughts captive and you're making them obedient to Christ. It's both and. Like that's the thing that I hope you all take away. It's not either or, it's both and. If you're doing both of those, that is really how we defeat the enemy. That's
0: good, that's good. And one thing that I wrote down in my notes, before you go to any counselor or therapist, go to God first, pour your heart out. He knows what you're going through anyway. He lifts up those who are brokenhearted. So believe in help, believe in therapy, believe in medication, but we also got to believe in God. Yes, amen, amen. Mental illness is not necessarily in the Bible. You spoke about that earlier. How do I know it's real and not just in my head?
2: (laughs) It it kind of is in your head, but not just in your head. (laughs) it's not just in your head. And I think it kind of goes back to the same thing if we look at the global, um, our global health, that our health is not just one category. Our health is not just physical health. It is spiritual health. It is mental health. It is emotional health. It is financial health. When we are really taking our global health into consideration, it allows us to, to give credit where credit is due to all of the areas that we need to focus on. So, yes, it is in your head. It's, it's literally mental health, but that does not um, diminish how much of an impact it has on you. When we try to make it seem like, oh, it's just in your head, it completely dismisses what people are actually experiencing. Years of trauma, years of hurt, years of pain, years of bitterness, a lifetime of these things that people have suffered through. And the idea that you would just like step on the other side and get over it, I think it's unfair. And we don't expect that of any other area of our life. If we are seeing someone who is overweight and it's impacting their health in some significant way, we are not just like, you know what? (laughs) Just, you know, just pray about it, go to sleep, wake up tomorrow, and you'll be fine. That's not how that works. You are called into a process. You go to the gym. You change your eating habits. We are totally fine with that. But when it comes to our mental health, all of a sudden that all goes out
0: the window. Um, This next question leads me into something that you just said. What do I do if my hurt trauma came from the church? Church hurt is a thing. That is the way that it's
2: talked about outside of the church is church hurt. It's the trauma that came from within the church community. And it's really important to find someone that specializes in that. Because chances are you might leave a church and go to another church and try to keep keep finding healing in that way. But chances are you're going to take that right along with you to every environment that you go into. And so you really want to, of course, Yes, pray about it, give it to God, put it on the altar, all of those things. And then can you also find someone that can help you to heal from that trauma? Can you find a therapist that really does specialize and focus on healing from that very specific trauma so that you can have the freedom to exist in the church community
0: again? Amen. That was so good. That's all our questions. Um, let's Let's give Dr. Sims a hand. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray us out while Pastor Doug comes up. Uh, Lord, thank you for this time, learning about self-care and the Bible and what your word has to say about taking care of our temples. Lord, be with us as we go forward through anxiety, through the cares of the world, Lord. I pray that we can keep our minds fixed on you because you have promised to keep us in perfect peace. And I pray that we can remember that. I pray that we take hold of that and that be our anchor